0: Welcome to our first week of content. This is always such a fun class because each week is really a whole new area of focus. I like to say that Introduction to Criminal Justice is the poo-poo platter class where you get to explore a little bit of the entire system and every week is something new. So let's start digging into chapter one. Chapter 1 gives you a broad overview of the criminal justice system. And don't worry, we'll dig into each of these entities further over the term. But probably one of the most important things that Chapter 1 does is dig into crime and how media impacts how we view it. And this is the bread and butter of understanding the myths and realities, as I like to call them, in our system. I hope you noticed that I included some extra resources for you this week. That's highly intentional, as these are areas that I want you to concentrate on, and you'll notice that the discussion is focused on this area, too. So what did you need to focus on this week? Well, defining what crime is, um, kind of some facts about crime and crime rates themselves. And so what do we know about, quote unquote, crime in the United States? Well, for one, we know that crime is a social construct that means that really crime is an arbitrary term and really just means that we as a people have determined something to be wrong or punishable. As I always like to say, we can have as much or as little crime as we want based upon our definition of what it is. Sure, certain acts or more what we call mala crimes, meaning that they're inherently wrong and kind of wrong across cultures generally as well. So think about things like murder, robbery, high-level violent crime. But there are many other types of crimes, too, and a lot of those we call mala-prohibita types of crimes, meaning that we've simply prohibited them because we don't like them and not because they're just inherently wrong so thanks to things like or think to things like drug crime prostitution etc so keep that in mind as we dig into the data because our definition of crime dictates how much of it we have so your blunt mind should be blown right there And on that note, the Uniform Crime Reports table provided to you this week should speak volumes to this, as there's a huge difference between types of crimes and how much we have of them. So we'll look at property and violent types of crimes. We usually assume that there's more violent crime, but maybe that's not the case. And not only that, but you should see some significant trends in the information and in that data and what direction it goes. Okay, so if you pull your attention over to the Uniform Crime Report crime data that I supplied you for the week and see the review outside resources section in the module, that's where this is located, but you'll see that there is data from 1999 to today. And you should also note that the numbers go down in numbers as you go down the chart if you look at more recent years. So it goes from 99 all the way to 2018, but those numbers seem to be shrinking. That's important to know. And just to break it down, in 1999, there were 1.4 million violent crimes. And that rate came out to 523 per 100,000. We're going to use that per 100,000 type of rate consistently this semester. We'll talk about that when we talk about how and why um, we kind of uh, describe crime. But Looking at 2018, there were only 1.2 million violent crimes and that rate comes out to only 368 per 100,000. So that's a pretty large rate decrease. We went from 523 per 100,000 to only 368 per 100,000. So it's going down. And for property crime, it's just as astounding. In 1999, there were almost 10.2 million property crimes. That's a heck of a lot more than the violent crimes that we had. And that rate came to 3,743 per 100,000. But by 2018, there were only 7.2 million property crimes and a rate of 2,199 per 100,000. So what does it tell you? well it should be telling you that crime has significantly decreased and by that very sizable margin of those rates that we talked about and what's crazy is that the peak of crime was actually in the early 1990s and so this decrease has been more pronounced over the past 30 years but did you know that likely not and why well that's where our media representations come in media depicts, depicts crime in an inaccurate manner frequently and even though crime has decreased over the past 30 years concentration of crime in both media um, for news media and tv shows has actually increased um, and i'm sure there's a crime show junkie or two in this class right we usually are kind of entrenched in wanting to know more about crime and thinking that it's going up because of these things That doesn't mean that it has And what it does mean, though, is that people then receive an inaccurate depiction and association of how much crime is out there. And we find that especially true now, as people have more access to information than they ever used to. So this is why you likely got your pretest, quote unquote, wrong. And that's okay. As was noted in the Pew Research Center fact sheet, most people's perceptions don't align with the data. So you are, in fact, quite normal from that. But now you know. Also, FYI, it takes telling someone something about eight times to change their mind if they're already highly entrenched and not believing it. So I know a lot of you were like, no, I assume crime was going up. So that means I'm going to have to tell you at least eight times over this term that no, it's going down. And we have 16 weeks, so challenge accepted. Okay, that's the main takeaway that you need for this week is really about this media representation of crime. But there's still other important content too. First, this week should have exposed you to what the major entities are in the criminal justice system and to the philosophical ideas about how and why we have such a system in the first place. So, quick overview, the CJ system is made up of three main pillars. The first is the police. Um, That's really people's first contact with our criminal justice system. They have a lot of discretionary power um, over whether to stop people, whether to arrest them. We then have the courts, and this is arguably the most powerful of the three pillars, as this is the area where decisions are made to prosecute or not prosecute, what charges to bring, and this is where we hand down the actual punishments that people get, so pretty powerful. And then that last pillar is the corrections. Pillar. And this is where we put people once we've determined their punishment. And we have a lot of options with corrections. Um, Most of this will associate with jails and prisons for you. And we also have community based um, corrections as well. And we'll talk more about these later in the term. So those are the major entities. And you can see the charts on slide eight and nine for a better understanding about how those all work as a system. But be wary, the charts do make it pretty intricate and they are pretty complex. I don't expect you to understand um, all of it, but it gives you a good visual. But why do we even have these pillars? Why do we have the system? That's the question, right? Well, we have different ideas about why the system is in place. Some believe that we have it to, one, control crime or to deter, right? Make people not do it again. And the system is there just to fact find, not to do anything after the fact to make people better. Another perspective in the second here is on the opposite side. Some think the system is there to rehabilitate. So to make the offender better, to fix them. Um, Third, some people think that the system is in place to provide due process. It's there to make sure the process is fair and that people's rights are upheld. Um, There's also those who think that the system is there to provide fairness and to make sure that people are treated equally through that system. And then there's a line of thinking that says the system is there to restore people and to restore the community victim and offender through mediation types of programs that have these entities work together to kind of fix the broader problems. And kind of lastly, we also have perspectives that say that the system should be there only in a few cases and that there should be non-intervention for most of the cases because labeling criminals has a negative consequence. And all of these ideas about why we have the system will coincide quite nicely in the coming weeks as we talk about criminology. So we'll talk about why people commit crimes. So we'll circle back then. And it's also gonna come up very much so when we talk about sentencing philosophies later in this term as well. And in addition to the perspectives on justice, there are also other underlying ideas about how our criminal justice system should work that align more with its actual operation. And these ideas fall on two sides, kind of the due process model and crime control model. The first, the due process model, is concerned with upholding um, suspects' rights, so their individual rights, and making the CJ system entities jump through more hurdles in order to make sure that offenders are actually guilty. And proponents of this model would rather 10 guilty people go free, than convict one innocent person. Now, the opposite lens here is the crime control model that favors a swift system that operates like an assembly line to efficiently convict as many criminals as possible. And they're okay with convicting that pesky one person inaccurately, considering so many other truly guilty made it into the system too. Too bad, so sad for that one person. And those models kind of frame our understanding of the system, so I wanted to make sure that you understand those as we enter into our coming weeks. All right, so to end, I know chapter one comes with a lot of content. That's to be expected, but don't let that overwhelm you. Um, And to end, keep your mind open to learning over the term. This first week may have been a doozy because it blew your mind and shattered your reality, um, especially if you thought crime was up and if you're still holding on to that despite the data. But remember that what we think isn't always right. And that's why you're here, to learn. So make sure that you do that. All right, until next week.